0: Just keep talking. talking. That's what I got to do. That was funny, actually, this morning. Some people come up to me and go, "Man, that was, you know, awesome message." And and I'm waiting for them to say, "But what I could understand of what you were saying." And nobody did actually. So, well done, Kentucky. And I'm saying, I'm really impressed. Um, they, they, everyone have started wearing like sweatshirts and t-shirts because we're here. <laughs> We see them, UK everywhere. Yeah, I, I mean I'm like, thank you. That's <laughs> awesome in you know, the UK and I'm thinking, hello, it's for us. Thank you for wearing those UK shirts. Right, right. Well I'm taking it that way anyway. Yeah, I don't care if wasn't, I'm taking it that way. But we have, it's been a blessing to be here. Um thoroughly enjoyed being with you, meeting your pastor. He uh, was at my uh, son's wedding and also his father and mother and the Dummits and the kings and the other kings. And Was anybody else at the wedding?
1: <laughs> was you at the wedding? He was not.
0: I was at the wedding. Where? With the Domit's somewhere. My <laughs> nephew. <laughs> <laughs> Have you noticed what I've got on the front row again? <laughs> You must be suckers for punishment (laughs) Is that why you're at the back, you wimp I said you was a wimp this morning Wimp, come back Take it on the chin See, wasn't I telling the truth Look, you'd run away from me You, you people And I did find out this afternoon Um, We had some food together and they they had this horrible looking drink on the table. It's called Iced Tea.
1: (laughs) That's disgusting.
0: (laughs) And you know what? I found out how they actually named one of the brands for the Iced Tea. Have you ever heard of the brand Nest Tea? Yeah. Well, you know where that come from? No. An American Give an English guy an iced tea. Anyway, that's nasty! <laughs> Hence, the product, nasty tea. Nasty tea. So, now we've got that over, and don't we? And I didn't say it this morning, but I, I, I do. I'm, I am an American, I'm an American citizen. Uh, I got it quite a few years ago. I've lived in America, I don't know, for 33 years. Um, so I am, when I, if you ever hear me speak about the Americans, I am speaking about myself also But I did work out that we have uh, something we need to sort out before we start this service i got 35 minutes haven't I? I did read you a little thingy exactly. It's very detailed isn't it? I mean, you've got 5 minutes, 3 minutes, 2 minutes, 1 minute <laughs> 35 minutes Alright, it's 16.28 Whatever, whatever. Come now, I don't trust you. <laughs> I can see him about one minute ago. I'll be standing up, looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> Very detailed, aren't we, Mr. Dominic? But when, when he starts doing this, and, but I will. Um, at Thanksgiving last year, uh, I sat with my, my in-laws in Maryland. Uh, and I, and I realise that you Americans need to, to, to learn something more than ever before. And especially the children, so I'm glad they're still here, they need to hear this. Um, anybody know what the first Thanksgiving, what year it was? How take a guess. <laughs>
1: 1492.
0: That was sailed the Blue, that was Columbus. <laughs> Somebody's ribbing you, don't let them do that to you. <laughs> 14, yeah. was it 14, what yeah. was 90. it, 14, anyway. No, not forget Columbus. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Remember Thanksgiving? You have it once a year. Oh. <laughs> what year was Thanksgiving, the first one ever? Don't it. Oh, no, don't Google, it's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me a couple of years. 1890. Goodness Do you go to school? <laughs> <laughs> do you remember 1776. Do you know what year that was? That's for Thanksgiving. Was Thanksgiving? Yeah, right <laughs> wow! All right. <laughs> let me let me speak to somebody over here. That's frightening, that is <laughs> It is. All right, I will take 1611. Six, don't forget this. 1611. <laughs> 1611 was the first ever Thanksgiving. Now, do you know who had the first ever Thanksgiving? The pilgrims! pilgrims. pilgrims. (laughs) (laughs) With the indigenous population. Right, so we got here about we as in Great Britain people. Wow. 16? Any mathematicians in here? 1611, the first ever thanksgiving, and then there was a little skirmish between the British in 1776. Yes, yeah. Alright, the Declaration of Independence was what? The Brits being de- independent from the Brits. Because mm-hmm. remember the 13 colonies down the side of the coast? Right. Whose colonies were they? Britain. Great British colonies, this is awesome. So, you're actually telling me that you really do know this. So, the 13 colonies were British colonies. So, the British colonists fought for independence from Great Britain. So, work this out from 1611 to 1776, how many years is that? 165. So, we had 165 Thanksgivings before you guys even were on the scene. So you can thank us for Thanksgiving. And you can also thank us for Independence Day. Because we fought for that for you too. So we can have two days off a year because of the Brits. Thanksgiving and Independence Day. You're welcome. So you understand? (laughs) It's him again, people, from this morning. So I just wanted to make sure that we are on the right page, that there is a massive link between Great Britain and America. We are joined together at the hip. Since the conception of the United States of America, we are joined at the hip. That's why every every war that's ever been fought, the Brits and the Americans stand together. We die together, we fight together, we always have done, we've always been together, and it will be like that till the end. We also have a gospel that between our two nations that we, have, we send more missionaries out from the United States and America, it used to be Great Britain, out into the world also. Right. So there's something definitely in our genes, in our DNA that the Brits and the Americans are very, very closely knit together which is a great thing because I'm married to an American and she's married to a Brit, so you can't really complain or argue with that, can we? Because we are destined to be together. And according to Daniel, Daniel said that he saw who was plucked off the back of a lion? The eagle's wings. And stood up like a man. That's America. And I believe that was great Britain. So we are combined scripturally, we are combined physically, we are combined economically. So, folks, we're this together. Nah. So if you want to let me just preach, what have I got left? Whatever. Whew. I don't trust this. I can see now I'll be halfway through and sweating and you'll be like, that's it, pull. Then the axle the sound system might go off. Yeah, it might.
1: It so might,
0: that, that could be your excuse to pull the plug. <laughs> but if you would allow me to, I've, I, I definitely have. I am um, a prayerful man. I study the Word of God and uh, when I come and preach I just don't have a willy-nilly uh, approach to this I really feel that when I preach things when I know I've been led to preach then God is trying to reach somebody's heart in that service where we're going to so again if you would allow me to just for the next 27 minutes, 3 seconds just minister the word of God to you, would you stand please for the reading of the word going to turn to the book of Job Job 26, start in verse 2, or you can start in verse 1, when it says, are we going to go up on the screen? No. Mr. Technical people, are we going to have it on the board? No. I'll read it, or have you got your Bibles with you? It's even better. Oh. Those technical people are very fickle people. They'd love to sing Hey, it's better than it was last week. Really? Oh, that's awesome. You see, UK's here. That's right. But Job answered and said, How hast thou helped him that is without power? How savest thou no arm that has no strength? How hast thou counseled him that has no wisdom? And how hast thou plentifully declared the thing as it is? To whom hast thou uttered words, and whose spirit came from thee? Dead things are formed, are... Uh, Under the stars and the inhabitants thereof. Hell is naked before him. And destruction has no covering. He stretches out the north over the empty place. And hangs the earth upon nothing. He binds up the waters in his thick clouds. And the cloud is not rent under them. He holds back the face of his throne. And spreads his cloud upon it. He has compassed the waters. with bounds until the night. And day and night come to an end. The pillars of heaven tremble. And are astonished at his reproof. He divideth the sea with his power, and by his understanding he smites through the proud. And by his spirit he has garnished the heavens, his hand formed the crooked serpent. So lo, these are parts of his ways. But how little a portion is heard of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? Father, before we take our seats, that we would put our heart, our mind, soul, and spirit, Father, right where it needs to be. That we would look unto you, you are our our savior you are our creator you are our king but god we need you in this service today to touch the hearts of these men and these women these these young people father that cannot go on in a world father today that you and i watching every single moment every part of our history that we are living is seeing things happen which are wrote in your word it needs to be a warning to us jesus That we would take note and tonight God that we would open our heart to your word once more to give unto you what you need from us. For you to give unto us what we know that we need from you. So in the name of Jesus we pray and the church says together, Amen, Amen. Amen. God bless you all and thank you for standing for the word of God. In the midst of that scripture in Job 26, 7, he says he stretches out the north over the empty place and he hangs the earth upon earth nothing I would like to and I don't I'm not one of those preachers who titles everything I'm not like that but there are some times when I see this uh, this very clearly comes to me and it says here that he hangs the earth upon nothing and I would like to speak for the next few minutes about what God can do with nothing what I'm going to do uh, and I'm gonna make it very personal when I read this years ago, I underlined it in my Bible. Now I'm all electronic, now I'm all tech savvy. But my Bible is still very dear to me. I hold it, it's, it's, it's by my bedside, um, it is red, it has got every colour you can think of lined through it, yellow and pink and blue and green and orange. And I've read it many, many times and, and today I've not replaced the Bible but I've got I've got about 54 Bibles on my iPad. Uh, I've got <laughs> Hebrew and I've got Greek and I've got concordances and I've got I've got everything you can think about on my iPad. I love my iPad, but there's something about my Bible.
1: Yeah.
0: There's something about when I hold it and go, Ooh. it's yeah. just it's just it's there. It's mine. I can right. feel it. And that, this is what I read years ago when I received the Holy Ghost, and this is how I read through the Scriptures and found the plan of salvation. And I mean, this, it means so much to me. It's very precious. But when I read this years ago, that he hangs the earth upon nothing, I never forget taking a marker and writing underneath it and just putting a, a little line and saying, one day I'll go back to this. A few years ago, it was one of those days where, as I was going to sleep one night, I really felt to go back to this scripture. This was years after I'd underlined it, and I've read past it many times over the years. And I went back to it, and it was like, I want you to start to look at why you underlined that all those years ago. And what happened, what I, I, in a sense, didn't want to deal with, but had to deal with, is the word nothing. The word nothing to me was a word I particularly don't like to hear. Because my father was a, a, a tough man, he was a hard man. This is one of the words that he used against his family. I was the youngest, and thank you, brother. Don't be us youngsters. We've got, you know, we're the spoiled ones. I have no problem being spoilt. Please, mum, you know, dad, just spoil me. But my dad was a, was was a, was raised through the war. Uh, he was a, he, he was orphaned. Uh, Often, his own brother died in his arms uh, when they put him out into the farms. They took all the children out of the cities where the the, the Germans were bombing them. And they put them out and they evacuated the children. And my dad went out at the age of 11 with his uh, younger brother. So his life changed when he went out into the evacuated areas. They went into the farmlands and the farm people that had these children from the cities didn't particularly want them there, rations was going on. Uh, they didn't want them to take the food off their children's table. So my dad was was treated, mistreated. Um, his his own brother died in his arms at the age of when he was nine. A, a truck run him over. So he, my dad was trying to get this huge man in a truck to get out the truck, and he, he you know he could, the man couldn't see my dad, and he died in his arms. And my dad ran away for a few days and lived in a, a farm. Uh, He was eating the the roots out of the ground and he was even milking the cows to get, and they found him. And when they found him, and obviously he had to deal with his own brother's death, he was on his own, and they put him in an orphanage where all the children that were there, their parents were killed during the war. So you've got this absolute nightmare situation of all these youngsters together who have no parents who know that they will never have another parent, that they have seen the, the horrors of war, they have, their hearts have been broken, they, they are hurting young people. The problem was that the people who ran the orphanages those days were just as hurting as the people that was trying to take care of. And my dad, over the years, was severely abused by being placed in this orphanage. There came a day when my dad was about 15 and he was about to leave and go back into the city as the war was ending. And my dad, we didn't know this, but I asked my mum years and years and years later, and I asked her, I said, why is, my, why is dad so angry? What's wrong with him? And, and she told me the story of his upbringing. I'm like, oh my word, no wonder he's angry. And I began to look at him in, in, in a different light, but... It was when the day he took hold of the weapon that they used to uh, hurt the children with, my dad told my mum that he grabbed hold of the baton that she used to hit the children with, and he looked at the person doing it and says, nobody is ever going to hurt me again. At the age of 15, but dad would come out of there, he went back home. He realised the only reason he went home was because at, the, at that age they could earn money and bring money home. So it wasn't as they, they loved him and brought him back. They had just they'd gone through a, six years of war. I mean, the whole city was devastated. There was no money. My dad used to steal coal from uh, other people. and He would steal the milk from the milkman, the bread from the breadman. It, it was a poverty-stricken life that they had. And then my dad goes into the army, learns how to box, which is the worst thing to do to give to an angry person.
1: <laughs>
0: so my dad becomes this street tough guy, became a boxer. He becomes a, a lightweight champion in the army. And a few years comes out and he meets my beautiful mother. And my mother came from a horrendous life also, that my mother was severely abused by her own father. We didn't know about this until after my grandfather had passed away. So I'm trying to build you a picture here. So then these two come together. We have a nuclear explosion when these two ways of life come and meet. My parents married and had four children. I was the youngest, and the oldest is eight years older than me, and over the years of growing up, I remember the, the volatility in my home it was It was horrendous to I me. Mean, it was very. Very, uh, And I'm saying abusive, but it was abusive verbally more than anything. My dad didn't have to do anything physically because we knew he could. So when dad said you did something, you did it. Because there was a consequence. And you knew it was going to hurt if you had that consequence. So you did it. But he, he didn't have and he didn't know love. He was never given love. He, he was always looking for love all of his life because he never experienced it from his home. His father was at the war. My, my, mother, uh, my grandmother had uh, 14 children. He was one of the younger ones. The, other, the older brothers were at war. I mean, you talk about a, a, just an absolute dysfunctional lifestyle. So then these people with these dysfunctional dysfunctional lifestyles get together and have kids. No wonder the 60s were absolutely mental. Because I was born in 61. I know I don't look like I was born in 61, but I was. And I, rem- I remember just that the, 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 everybody around us, it was just a, such a different life. And it, my older brother remembers rations from the war still. He remembers mom could only get some butter or bacon or and she had these ration books. And I mean, he remembers that being a young boy. So when I kind of grew up to the point where I remember things in my home, I remember the volatility. It was very dysfunctional. It was, it was very angry, and, uh, and you had people just defending their issues, and my dad was a tough guy, and everybody in the neighbourhood was frightened to death of him. And, but the only thing I remember as being a young boy is that he didn't speak to us kindly. It was always, you know, Dad, I want to go and play football. But you're nothing. You're never going to be anything. And if I understand now, if I would have listened to what he kept telling me, I really today could have still been that nothing that he was trying to inject into my life. I could have been that nothing. And over the, over the years, I remember that I, I, you know, going to school, it was never a, a pleasant experience coming home from school. I mean, I'd come home and once a year you bring your report and I'd have to stand you know, to attention to my dad and he would look up a report and go, you can do better. Told you you are going to be nothing. I mean, and, and you're looking at as a little kid and you're listening to these things and it's very hurtful and very cutting. So as I got older, you know, I started playing the guitar, I can play the guitar. I'm a good bluesy rocker. I can do it. But my dad always told me, why don't you just put the thing away? You're never going to be any good on that anyway. He always had this negativity. But as a 16-year-old and an 18-year-old, I went to college and I came out of college and I, I, I was like, Dad, I've got distinctions and I've done really well. And He was like, oh, whatever. Here, Mum's hugging me. Mum's like, oh, I'm sorry, it's wonderful. But Dad, was you're always looking for that, that acclamation from your father. But we didn't get it, none of us did. and It got to this point where I come out of college, I started my own business, and then again, you're never going to be any good in business. You're nothing, you can't do this. And it got to the point where I left and went to America. yoo <laughs> I escaped. And I came for two weeks. And 20 years later, I went home. And the point Of what God can do with nothing. I met my wife. I had one of the most incredible conversions uh, to the point where most times I tell people what happened to me, they actually don't believe me. But the night before I went to church, I was invited. I'm not going to go through my whole testimony. But... I was working for a man rebuilding his home and he invited me to go to a church on a Sunday morning. And the, the, My leading story up to that is phenomenal, but when I agreed I went to my wife and told her I'm going to church this weekend, an apostolic Pentecostal church. My wife went to a Catholic church, I wouldn't go there because apparently I'm Protestant and Protestants and Catholics don't go together. So I was always told, they don't like them and they don't like you, so you don't go there. What a wonderful religion that is. So, we, we you know, my wife was going to her little religious gathering and I just told my wife one day, I'm going to church with Daryl on Sunday morning and you're going to where? So I'm going to church. I'd never been to church in my life, I was 29 years of age. So I, I decided that what had happened, led up to this, that I was going to go to church. And really what freaked me out was about 3.30 in the morning. um, I had a a, a demonic spirit wake me up. It literally shook me out of my sleep. And as I opened my eyes, there was a demonic spirit standing over my bed. I could see he's in the shape of a human being. And his finger was pointing at me. And he said, you are mine. And you're staying with us. So by now, I've lost most people. (laughs) (laughs) That's not that real. When it happens, I promise you, it's something you'll never forget. And I never forget looking at it, and the only words, I was, you can't explain fear like this. You can't explain a fear that literally takes your breath away. And I looked up and he said you're staying with us. This disgusting voice was coming out of his being. And all I could say I just went, Jesus Christ! Well, that was the right thing to say. (laughs) Because it disappeared! It just dis- I-, I can never forget, I can still see in my mind's eye, it just disappeared into the darkness. It faded into the darkness, the dark kind of sucked it back into it. And then I sat up and I'm looking at the clock and my wife and I'm like, my goodness me! So I thought I going to come into my bedroom and carry me away to an asylum. I have just have been spoken to by this absolute, evil, wicked man. That's all I can think of. And then when I, when I sat there, a wind came into my bedroom like a hurricane. It blew so loud I thought I was going to die. It was that loud I put my hands over my ears because it, I couldn't bear the noise of the wind. It was so powerful. Try that for size at 3:30 in the morning on Sunday, and I'm sitting there going, "I'm going to die!" And then I just kind of put my hand down and I could. Look around the room, and the, this mighty rushing wind was blowing around my room for about eight to ten minutes. Now, by now, oh, there's no fear. I'm literally sitting there, going, "What on earth is this?" And as that died down, I had a fireplace, and I had a closet over here, and there, there was like a fluorescent tube lit upon the baseboard. And the sun rose in my bedroom at quarter to four in the morning. It was the whitest golden yellow I've ever seen. It burnt my eyes. I put my hands over my eyes, but I put a crack in my fingers. And I could see a man standing in the light. Ready? I went to church that day. I ran to church that day. If you would have put a brick wall and a steel wall in front of me, I was going through it. I wouldn't go back to sleep. I, I sat back next to my wife. I thought, that is the freakiest, most fearful thing, but the most awesome, wonderful, phenomenal thing at the same time that I've ever experienced. And I woke my wife up. I fell back asleep. I was kind of leaning against the window. I didn't want to go to sleep just in case that thing come back and woke me up again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm leaning over my wife and I woke up, I'm probably just drooling over. And, and, and I went, Sherry, I've got to tell you what happened and she kind of looked at me and went, you're going to church aren't I? And I said, yep, I am going to church and she went and opened the door she was like, get out of here for goodness sake. She went to where she normally goes but I went to this apostolic church, Woo! <laughs> so I picked up the man by the scruff of his neck and put him against the wall and he's like, you look awful. I said, awful? Let me tell you why I look awful. And I said, what have you done to me? And I explained what happened anyway. Wow.
1: <laughs> what do you mean?
0: Wow. Let's come to church. I've done that's what I've come for. So I get in and oh my goodness, mate, these people are running, jumping, singing, clapping, roaring. I'm standing there going, is this a football crowd? <laughs> and he was coming, now she's church. I said, the last time I was in church in England the church of England. And if you breathe In those buildings, they pick you out. I said, If you coughed, they shoot you. <coughs> and I'm like, Dad, this cannot be church. He said, It's church. And I'm looking at it, going, oh, This is awesome. And there was one person in 500 people standing with their arms folded. Me. And I'm looking at these people, thinking, I'll never do this. These people are
1: crazy.
0: Amen. So the man gets up and preaches. I never heard a preacher before. Woo, he was good. I liked him. So he comes up to me after and he's like, hey man, good to see you. Good to see you too. And he was like, hey, you're English. I said, yep. And he went, my name's English. I said, that's good for you. So that was mine. And he said, My name's Chester Wright. I said, You don't sound English, but Chester and Wright are very British. Then he went, Are are, are you coming tonight? You go to church twice in one day? Man, you people are serious. Some of them, No, you're okay. He said, I hope we see you again. I said, you're probably going to change your will. And then Donald, the guy I've been working for, walks up to me and he said, are hey, you coming tonight? I said, you people are relentless. I said, the big fella just asked me if I'm coming as well tonight. And then he was like, nah, nah, nah. And he went, well, let me teach you a Bible study. I'm like, what for? He said, because that's what we do. You need to know about what's going on in the life garden." God. And I was like, ah, builders don't do Bible studies. Anyway, well, let me ask you a question then. If what happened to you at 3.30 this morning happens to you again, what are you going to do? I say, what time your Bible study starts on Tuesday? This is the truth, this is what happened, right? And I'm leading up to this. I go to the, I go to the man's Bible study and I'm sitting there and I'm so honoured. it's ridiculous. You wouldn't think so, would you? No, no. So, and I'm telling you who do you think you are? Teaching me about the Bible? Are you a priest? A vicar? And he said, no, I'll never forget what he said. I have the Word of God in front of me and I've got the Spirit of God inside of me. That's what's gonna teach you. That's good. I looked at him and was like, ooh, I have no answer to that. So I said, okay, if it's as real as you say it is, I want proof. That's the most stupid thing I've ever said to God. But then again, it's the most awesome thing I've ever said to God. Because Daryl went, well, let's pray. We hadn't even started. I'll never forget the Bible study in front of me. Didn't have a Bible study that night. I went, God? <laughs> Pointed at him. If you're this wriggle, what this man is telling me, I want proof right now. Well, don't ask God to silly things like this. Because when I sat and down said, well, let's pray, I did my best Church of England prayers. <laughs> And he gets up and raises his hands to heaven I'm like, man, this man's serious. And all of a sudden he starts speaking in Greek or Hebrew or something. And I'm looking at him going, that's that's interesting. Whatever you're saying, I have no idea. But all of a sudden, something enormous came behind me. And I stopped him praying. I said, Darrell, what on earth is in this room? He said, what's the matter with you? I said, I don't know what it is behind me. Oh my word. I can't I can't I can't explain how powerful this feels when he just raises his hands and what was there entered into my body from my feet, It began to blow through my body like a, a like a, a well springing out of the ground. And I never forget the power going through my hands and my body, and my tongue and my lips were on fire. And I was looking at this man, but I didn't want this to stop because every bit of love I've ever wanted, every bit of kindness, everything I've ever wanted from a father was there. And I sat there for 45 minutes. I did never want this to stop, and I'm the one who kind of put my hand on the. T- table and I went, hey! I said, what's this? And he went, it's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I said, Dad, I can't explain how awesome this is. I went, let's do it again. And I just sat there. This time I raised my hands and the Spirit of God once more began to flow through my body. It was so powerful. But there was so much love and peace and joy and everything I've ever wanted was there. And I'm the one who stopped it. Another 20, 25 minutes. I said, I've got to go home. And my dad was like, Were you okay? And I was like standing, yeah, yeah. And my legs were going and my teeth were... And I said, I gotta go... I gotta go home. Tell, Tell. Tell. Tell me. Tell my it was, it was all over me. It was powerful. It was so wonderful. And I got home to my wife and I can't even get the key in the door. So I knocked the door. Hey! Let me in! And she opens the door and I'm still going... H-h-h-h-h-h. She was, well, what's happened to you? I said, I don't know. But apparently I've just received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And she was going, the Holy, what? I said, the Holy? you, and you got a church? I don't. I have no idea about this. But I got it. And then she said, huh, you've joined the cult. And I said, if this is the cult, it's the greatest cult in all the world I've ever felt before in my life! I said, this is awesome! So I said, give me one year! I said, give me one year! Let me find out what on earth has just happened to me! She said, you've got a year. Well, there she sits today, twenty-something years later. Awesome! I told you all that to tell you this. So then I am praying and I become, they used to call me John the Baptist at the church, because I didn't care who I spoke to, how I spoke to them, where I was, when I did it, how I did it, everybody needed to hear my testimony. Everybody, I didn't care who you were, I owned a company, I was the builder, and everybody worked for me. So I threatened them.
1: <laughs>
0: you want to check? Yep. See it in church, Sunday. You can't do that. Yes, I can. I'm the boss, and I got the checkbook. And i prove it to you. One man who was, used to collect my, my uh, the rubbish, the trash, the, 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 the construction garbage, he would come and pick it up, and he'd come to me one day and say, can I get my check Friday? Now, I had to lie, and I repented for this. But I said, I won't be there. I was going to be around, but I didn't know if I was going to be in the house. And I said to Tony, do me a favor. Come Sunday morning, I will give you a check. Where can I meet you to get my check? Come to Auntie Up the Apostolic Church at 10 o'clock, and I will give you a check.
1: <laughs> awesome. <laughs>
0: 10 o'clock. I knew my pastor's wife, a bit like you, Pastor Dumbit, very. Titty- I like being precise, I do. I, I like it all done in order and decent. And I knew at 10 o'clock my, my pastor's wife, woo, woo, she would hit that hammer and organ, bam! And it was awesome. <laughs> I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. And I was like, right, so I told the doorman, look, there's a black fella coming to visit me. He's got red hair and green eyes, you can't miss him, he's a handsome dude, but he wants me. He went, right? I said, so tell him where I am in the church and send him in. Well, guess who comes at 10 o'clock? Tony. And I'm standing in the church, and there's a big row of chairs, and I'm worshiping, and all of a sudden, he comes to stand next to me and he nudges me. Hey, can I get my check? <laughs> You're in the house of God! <laughs> You see, you can't speak about business in the house of God. Lift your hands to heaven and worship God with me anyway. <laughs> now don't forget, I'm brand new. I am brand spanking new. I have no idea. I just know what I've got. I've got the greatest experience that any human being could ever have. So he's standing next to me worshiping God and then we sit down and he's going, Oh my God, there's something. I'm a Methodist, does it? Any method you want. <laughs> And I like my method, and he was like, can you get my check? I have a cheque? I forgot my checkbook. I hadn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I said, tell you what, tonight if you would come and meet me at six o'clock. At the church. Oh man. I said, come on, meet me at the church. Six o'clock. <laughs> Off she goes on your hammer and organ, big Leslie speaker. And guess who walks up to me and elbows me? Tony! Watch it? And I thought, I'm gonna try this. I've been watching my pastor for a while, and every time he touch people, they cut the Holy Ghost.
1: And I thought, well, I'm gonna have go
0: touching somebody then. I looked at my hand. I looked at Tony. I
1: thought,
0: right, his puppy's going down. 'Cause if my pastor can do it, so can I. So Tony, this good old man his boy was standing there, and I thought, here we go. And I slapped my, I slap my hand on his forehead, and I remember the pastor going, "Come on, open your heart up to God." And, that's it, that's it. Come on, I, go, I know I was just going, that's it. I don't know what I was doing, didn't know. And all of a sudden, he received the Holy Ghost. And he was shaking, and I was like, hey, that's what what happened to me a few months ago. This is awesome. I got, and he's got, wow! So he was getting the Holy Ghost. It was all over the place. And I'm going, this is easy, Pastor. I can do this too. Yeah. Why not? It is right. Then, knucklehead here, I start teaching Bible studies at my house. Uh, My pastor comes to me and goes, what are you doing at those Bible studies? I don't know. (laughs) What are you teaching at your Bible studies? I don't know. (laughs) What are you doing? I said, I'm just opening the Bible up, anywhere and reading, there's some weird stuff in there when you open it anywhere to start to read to people about animals or, and, and I re- and he said, so what do you do then? I just close the book and tell them what happened to me. I give my testimony. And he said, and what happens then? I said, they're all receiving the Holy Ghost in my front room. He said, we've had angels appear. I've had hot oil poured over me. We've had men repenting and weeping. And we've had people healed. We've had blessings of God. And he was like, you, and you haven't gone to the Bible study class? I said, no. Why? I said, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Tell people what God has done for us and then expect God to do for them what he's done for us too? And I was like, don't take the edge off me, Pastor. I like this stuff. I don't want to get all polished and speak properly. <laughs> oh, bless God. It's such a wonderful experience. I can do all the hypogenics, whatever it's called, and all that crazy stuff, homogenics and apologetics, and I can do all that stuff, but I don't like to. I just want to be raw. I want to tell people truly what has happened to me. And here's your problem. Here I am, I'm running off. I have have rows of people in the church. Just my own people. All builders, absolute bunch of lunatics painters and concrete guys and two framing crews and you name it. Rufus the mad. Oh God let me, you get the mad ones. I was threatened at 2 o'clock in the morning by a guy with a skinhead and a ponytail with, with tattoos all over his neck, cut here if you dare. Frank was a lunatic. Are you telling me? Then my poor wife was upstairs in my Bible studies. But I didn't know she was
1: listening.
0: You want to convert your family? Have Bible studies in your house. Because they listen. And And the Spirit of God begins to kind of just touch them as they're listening. And one day my wife says, what on earth is happening in my house down there? What happened last night? I said, well, two of them got the Holy Ghost. Is that what that language is? I guess. So all of a sudden, ooh, it's getting through. And my prayer in that, in that basement of mine was very, very loud. I <laughs> didn't know, but it's very loud. And I used to pray, Jesus, don't let my family be lost. Never forget these prayers. I would call out the names of Paul and Mark and Sandra and their wives and their children. And then my mother, and very quietly kind of going, don't forget my dad. By now, I've been seeing the awesome things of God coming into the church. And, 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 and I mean, God used me to cast devils out of God knows how many people in restaurants and job sites and at the church. And I was having a blast. I was having this exciting journey. And, and one, one night I was in prayer, and he was like, God, help me with my brothers. And I mean, that was rejecting me and, and telling me I've lost it. And, but today, my whole family are born again of water and spirit. I baptized my brothers, my sister, the children. I baptized my father, my mother. I prayed my mother through sorry, I baptized my dad, and, and, and I'm telling you that because my prayer was so was not a mamby-pamby type of prayer. I was very volatile with God because I didn't know any other way to be. So I'm praying, God, don't let my family be lost. I used to cry out for my family. And then one night I felt the Lord just stop me in my tracks and go, What about your father? And I felt like going, what about him? I didn't like him. At 18, I detested the man. All I ever knew was, was anger and violence and, and his rejection. And I was going to be nothing. And, By now I'd already built my own first home and I had my own company and things were happening and success was going on in my life and I was in the kingdom of God and my business went from a a small business to doing a, a couple of million a year and I was being blessed all over the place but I had forgot something, there was a man involved in my life all of those years gone by that helped create me who I am today and that was the one that I did not like. And the Lord asked me a question when I was praying. Why are you in my kingdom? And I used to pray. I used to march kind of up and down. And and all of a sudden I'm arrested in my spirit. And I'm standing there going. Oh Jesus. What brought me into the kingdom of God. Was laying Matthew to bed. Matthew was two years of age. and As I laid him down. I said God if you're real. I cannot be a father to my son like my father was to me. I cannot have a relationship with him like I do with my father. That prayer brought me to where I am today. And then the Lord showed me something. If your father hadn't treated you that way, you would never have prayed and you would never be in the kingdom of God like you are today. And I then began to turn my prayer around. And I began to thank God for my Father. The very situation, the very person, the very circumstances that I detested all of those years was the very thing that God used to bring me into His kingdom. So as I was praying, God, thank you for the way my father treated me. Thank you for letting me see today that he was such a broken man, such a hurting individual That he didn't have an easy life. He was never loved and he could never love. He never knew how to love us. But somewhere in his heart, I began to realize that he did love me. He just did not know how to show me. And I realized the very thing that I detested most was the very thing that God used to bring me into his presence and into his kingdom. And then I began to worship and thank God for the way my dad treated me. That flipped a switch in my heart that I cannot explain to you. That very, very vessel that was called nothing became the very vessel that turned my father's life upside down, prayed him through to the Holy Ghost and baptized him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The very one that God used to bring me into his kingdom. And the most awesome thing was... Years went by, I was in the 16, 17 years and he was always fighting against me and oh, I'm a Catholic, I'm this and I'm that and you don't need the Holy Ghost, you don't need this and I've got my religion and I, we, we, we always battled. And there came a place that we, we moved to England as missionaries and we went to a conference back in like 2002, 2003. Somehow my older brother, uh, who, who today is also a preacher, he he called and my dad and said, Will you come? We're going to a conference in, 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 in the Midlands and would you come? And I believe that's why my dad was there. And I, I never forget I was kind of I, I like running, praying for people and the music's going at the altar call and I could see my wife through the crowd waving and as she waves at me, she brings me over, she says, Come here. And when I get there, my dad was a short but stocky guy and there was my father standing in front of me. And I looked at my dad and I'm like, Dad, I'm going to pray for you. And he was like, I can see that, that look that I knew so well, that, that, the teeth being cleansed and the anger in his face. And I was like, Satan, that's my dad. Tonight you leave him alone. Because he will be in the kingdom of God before we leave this service. And my dad looked at me and he was like, Son, I said, Dad, let's trust what I'm saying. Anyway, can I say something? I said, of course you can. My dad raised his hands to heaven and he went <laughs> he said, Jesus, forgive me for what I did to my children. As my father asked God for forgiveness, i never forget my heart, just, I just dropped to my knees in front of my dad. My older brother Mark fell on me. Tears are just flowing down our cheeks. And I never forget I I had my hand upon his chest. And I looked up. I've never seen my dad weep. I've never seen a tear in my dad's eyes, even at my mother's funeral. And I looked up and his tears were landing on the back of my head. And I never forget hearing the Spirit of God speaking through my dad's lips. And he would just had his head lifted back, and tongues of heaven were flowing, and the tears of repentance and forgiveness were dropping off his cheeks. And I was lying on the floor with my brother, and the grandchildren were there, and our wives were there. And I look up and I'm like, Oh God, thank you. Because this is the man that you used to bring yes. me into your kingdom. And when I stood up, the Lord, just, I, I'm not one of those people that the Lord says this, but I, I know that night when I walked away, I felt the Lord just show me, if you hadn't have forgiven him, tonight he would not have been in the kingdom. But because of your forgiveness towards your father, I allowed, it was you who could pray. For him, because you had no bitterness against him, you had no anger against him. I could use this vessel that once detested him, who now loves him, to be the one that would bring him into my kingdom. And I never forget walking away, and we we have our regional directors, and his name was Brother Robert Rodenbush, and I've always got on well with him, and he come up and hugged me. Anyway, I saw what God did to you and your father he said, you could feel the presence of God all the way across the auditorium as your, God asked, as your father asked God to forgive him. And he was like, oh, and he was hugging me. He was just a lovely man. And I'm sobbing in my regional director's chest. And I said, you have no idea what that meant. You have no idea. After, after we prayed that my dad hugged me. We didn't have that type of relationship. We didn't have love like this in our home. But that night when the forgiveness of God came upon my father, me and my dad and my other brother just stood there and hugged and wept together. I wasn't a little boy. i had always wanted that from an early age. But that night is when God came into his life. He had a love that he was always looking for, but had never found. That night he found what I was given all, all those years before. a love that surpasses everything that you and I could ever understand. As he opened his heart up and the Spirit of God became part of his life. And I am hugging my dad and both of us are standing there crying with my wives and our children around us. And I want to leave you with this. The very thing that usually brings us to the place where God brings us to His Kingdom is the very thing that we need to thank God for. Yes, The very much, if you want to say, the pain of life, the hurts of life, usually is what is driving us into the arms of a loving Saviour. Yeah. He is taking yeah. us into the place where He knows that we hurt, But he lets the her bring me to the place where I begin to call out unto him. I actually never forget that night saying, God, I cannot be a father to my son like my father was to me. The very man that would have separated me and taught me how to be angry, taught me how to be hateful, was the very man that God brought me into the kingdom of God. So I know there are people in here tonight need to hear this the hurts of life are the very things that God will bring you into his presence because we know we're broken and he said my spirit is for this, to heal the broken hearted, to set those that are captive free and to give liberty to those that have been abused or bruised and I look at this scripture and I know full well that the hurt that I had eventually got me to pray The hurts that I had eventually took me from prayer into the kingdom of God. The very place where I was now inside of the kingdom allowed me to look out with love in my heart instead of anger. And I began to look at the very person that hurt me more than anybody as such pity and such compassion that without this, without this man being the way he was, I would never have known God. Could you stand with me today? Pastor, can we have an altar call? Yes if it's just for one person if it's just for one person in this building this afternoon that this message would be for and it doesn't matter, don't don't think that the spotlight is on you because I'm going to the altar myself if you would come out of your seats this afternoon and come together and pray because the things in our lives that we hold back from are the very things that God is asking us to come to Him with. Yes. I came to an altar one day with tears running down my cheeks, asking God that all my life I've looked for love and never could get it from my father, But I knew there was a heavenly Father that loved me and died for me. But the very thing that kept me in a place in my life was because of the one that hurt me the most. the one that hurt me the most became the one that i began to love the most so if you would lift up your heart in here and just open your heart to god i want you to just think about this place in your life that god i know this is how you brought me to you anyway begin to thank god for the issues of life begin to thank Begin to open your heart to you and say, because if it wasn't for this, this is what drove me to you. This is what life gave me. But you knew one day I'd be in your presence because of what had happened to me. Yeah. So as we stand together, I want you to honestly be honest with God and open your spirit and your heart to you. That this is a place, God, that I know that I, I, I can never leave this. I can never walk away from here. I can never look back to the place, God, that, that brought me to you. I want to bring every single person that I know into this kingdom that you have brought me into. Because of the hurt that drove me to you, And now I can look out of the kingdom and begin to reach out of the kingdom of God and bring people that I love into your presence. It's what God can do with nothing, thank you, Lord, thank you, God. It's what God can do with nothing. Yes, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Just let your tears, tears heal. Your tears heal. That's what they're for. They heal because you're actually letting something go. And if you were just to let go as you stand here, the word let go is the actual word forgive. Yes. Forgive means to let go and release. Because if you don't let go, all those years of things that have happened and been done to you control your life. They can control your attitude. They can control your sleep patterns. They can control every attitude that you have if you don't let go. If you don't forgive, if you can't look at these places and these times in your life and turn around and go, this has got to be me. The anger that we have is because of what somebody has done to us. The things that we get involved in is usually being driven by something that somebody has said or done to me. But I want to ask you today as we stand and pray together, usually when those hurts come into our life, we have tears. But when these things leave us, it's the same reaction. Tears begin to fall off your cheeks, but they are to release. They are forgiveness. They are peace. They are joy. They are not the same ones that you felt all those years ago. So again, would you pray? Yes. Open your heart, your spirit, and your soul unto God. Say, here I am. Jesus. God, forgive me. And forgive those that have hurt me. I need to let them go. I need to let these things just dissipate in my life. And I give you thanks for the times and the places that these people who knew no better. God, forgive them for they did not know what they did. But God, I thank you for it and for them. In Jesus' great name, I pray. If you just lift up your voice, lift up your heart. And let the Spirit of God that's in this place, right here, just begin to soak into your soul. Soak deep down into your heart. And let anything that would be there, let it be just dissolved. Let the tenderness of God begin to touch the depths of your soul. Come on.